All right, another absolutely beautiful day from the Lord. Hope everybody had a good time out there. I don't see anybody limping or in casts, but we always do like to recognize great falls. And, you, and it's usually better if, you, you know, if somebody that saw it tells it, it makes a better story. Have we had any? Now, yesterday I was skiing with Jay and Blake and Doug. Now, his doesn't qualify for a great fall uh, because the, no equipment was lost. You know, it was no yard sale. But I will say we were over on Larkspur. We said we're going to take this bump run. And he was cruising along, and suddenly he caught an edge or something. And that was the best face plant, Doug, I've seen in years. I mean, it was flat out. But like I say, it doesn't qualify for great because no equipment was lost. So. But it was fun to watch. <laughs> the record speed. Why does everybody have that thing on their on their phone? Trey, all right. Nice going. I'm impressed. All right, let me, um, Walter uh, did come up with the notes from his talk this morning. He has them on the table, right by the, uh, that table right there. Okay. Um, also, back on that green table um, back there, John Mazel. Uh, has provided some of his books that he's written a long time ago, and it's in, I don't know how many languages, all the world, Is Jesus God? Uh, uh, it's, it's a great book to have, to occasionally read, and even greater to keep with you in your briefcase or whatever to, uh, uh, to hand it out. I got a chance to uh, hand it to the pizza delivery guy tonight. Uh, he, was, he got here a little early, and I said, can you hang out and keep them in those little insulated deals so that the... Uh, uh, stay long. But anyway, he, I, I gave him one and he was, it was interesting. He said, yeah, I went to, I went to church uh, when I was little and, and they had us memorize Bible verses. He said, and I wasn't very smart. I couldn't memorize. And if you could say the verse, you got a donut. He said, I never got a donut. And so as a result, I quit going to church. Uh, I said, okay. Um, but he said, you know, it's funny. He said, no, I've, I've, uh, he said, actually, I've, I've started praying because I was in a very tough situation, a house one time, and uh, he said, I was at a friend of mine, and the parents were almost coming to blows, and I just, I prayed real hard, Lord, you got to step in here. And he said, 10 minutes later, they're on the front porch laughing. So he said, hey, man, I believe in prayer. I said, great. <laughs> I said, said, that's good. So, uh, so you never know when you get an opportunity to change somebody's life with that. Also, uh, last year, we gave out John's book, Radical Trust. It's a great book, uh, and we've got some of those. I don't know if there's enough for everybody, but if uh, those of you who are, are here for the first time and did not get one last year, you're welcome to it. If you have one, please wait till the people that don't have one get a chance to, uh, uh, to, do, to get one. Uh, speaking of books, also back on the green table uh, are um, copies of Gene's Bible that was just out last year, uh, the Life Essentials Bible, that everyone that came last year got a copy. Uh, he brought some in case some, uh, somebody wants one or needs one. In, in my case, mine got given away, so I'm, I'm going to get another one. Uh, he, there is, uh, he does have to charge, I think it's 55 and 65. Um, the, uh, the 65 has the uh, tabs on it. Uh, so, feel free, and whatever is over and above cost uh, goes, to, uh, goes to high ground. But uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but I've, uh, uh, even though mine got away, I downloaded all of the uh, Life Essentials messages on my, on my phone. And uh, I, I would do it when I was, uh, you know, studying. But uh, this year, this fall, uh, oh, sometime before the election, and I was getting so sick of the news. I have a long commute, and so, and so I listen to a lot of news. Um, but I got so sick and tired of the news, and when I get to the office, I'd be mad. 
So, so, so one day I turned off the radio and I said, well, I'm going to try this. And so I just uh, would uh, tune to whatever I was studying in the Bible. I would go to Gene's uh, message and I started listening to the messages on the way to work. And I got to tell you, I got a lot more out of that than I did the news. And I was in a lot better mood when I got to work, I promise you. So uh, I, I can tell you there's, there's a lot of uh, great applications. But uh, the Bible's there. Felix, you're handling the, the purchases, right? Okay. I have the privilege of introducing our speaker tonight, my dear friend who I've known for a long time, John Maisel, as, as many of you, uh, probably most of you uh, do. John is um, one of the original uh, high ground people. He's been here for 25 years. Uh, he's given us great messages. Uh, most of you all know John's story. Uh, a long time ago, uh, the Lord took hold of him and gave him a, a passion for sharing Christ. Uh, and if you know John, you're not surprised. He, he's not one just to go anywhere. He has to go to closed countries and places where he's not allowed and places where he had to uh, set up underground churches and be followed by the KGB, um, and that's that's uh, that's true. And uh, but he has has been uh, faithful and has done so much for the Lord around the world. And I can tell you, has done an awful lot just in my life. He is a, a dear friend to me as well as a lot of you. So, John, come up. Thank you, brother. You know, I've uh, really appreciated the messages that uh, all the guys have given and unique takeaways in each one of them. Uh, Charlie's message, uh, somebody asked me uh, kind of in the context of some of the things that Charlie was talking about. And, uh, you know, when General, what was the general's name of the CIA? Pragus, huh? Yeah. Somebody said, what do you think of that? And I said, could have been me. Could have been me. Uh, Charlie talked about being 77. I'm 73. And, and uh, there's no such thing as perfection in the Christian life. It's constantly uh, the testing of the heart. And to a certain extent, I feel like that my test, my greatest tests are still in front of me as far as my walk uh, with Christ, uh, I think of Abraham. Abraham was 115 years old when uh, God said, go kill your son. So uh, you never arrive in the Christian life, and that's why we desperately uh, <clears throat> need one another. I really appreciated Kelly last night and uh, saw the, you know, the, uh, the heart of a singleness of purpose of what God has called him to, and I can really testify as Kelly was just saying it, it's just, you can't explain it. It's just God. You know, people will say, well, you know, John, how'd, you know, how'd you build this ministry? I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just God. I mean, you just, he's moving and he's working and you get a little light, you step into it. And, and uh, you know, just the excitement of seeing God leverage the ministry that they're in, and they don't have the foggiest idea where they'll be five years from now, but they know the one they're following, and they have a deep conviction as it relates to what God has called them to. Walter, uh, talking about uh, love affair with Jesus, and I think the song was very appropriate that uh, we sing, Get Your Eyes on Jesus. You know, there's a, <clears throat> there's a big difference. I imagine everyone here uh, really loves Jesus. We love Jesus for what he's done for us and so forth. There's a difference in loving Jesus and being in love with Jesus. And uh, I want to pick up a little bit on that tonight as it relates to identity and really understanding who I am and really what the gospel is. So I'm gonna go through a lot of scripture tonight, just taking us back as it relates to what the gospel is. You cannot see the spectacularness of the gospel and not be changed. Uh, you can't see 
and understand as God continues to open up the revelation of what took place at the cross and not fall more in love with Jesus Christ. You know, you hear some of these messages, I think, and as I was thinking this afternoon, I was thinking, well, <clears throat> you know, to a certain extent, God is, we might take, our takeaway might, well, boy, God's really shouting at us. And I think God's shouting at us. He's not shouting at us because he's mad at us. He's shouting at us because he wishes to shock our hearts, I believe, anew with the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. The Father knows that the Son is passionately in love with each one of us who have said yes to Jesus Christ. And the Father knows that our personal destiny of the depth of what we believe about that relationship with Jesus and what Jesus has done determines the destiny of our life. And the reason this whole issue of agenda and <clears throat> letting Jesus be our chief treasure, so to speak, is so very, very important is that anything I pursue as a Christian apart from God's agenda for my life will cause me as a Christian to live with my cup half full. And somewhere along the line, we're going to gut God's purpose for our life long term. And unfortunately, I'll get at the end of my life, and my life will be a colossal waste. If you and I have an agenda that we are pursuing that is different from God's agenda for our life, uh, we'll miss it. And that's uh, unfortunate. And that's why the fight that you and I are engaged in is a daily fight. And I was thinking today that, uh, you know, the, the couple of admonitions in which Jesus says, take no thought of tomorrow. Okay? Paul says, uh, I forget those things which are behind. Okay? That just gives me today. The only day I've got is today, Martin Luther said, uh, there are only two days, today and that day, as far as the fight of my heart to make Jesus my agenda. And this is, this is something that I believe, men, you and I need to be engaged in intentionally, and we have to ask tough questions to ourselves. We have to ask questions, what drives me apart from driving me toward God's agenda for my life, where everything I long for is to be found. What God's agenda is, and the deepest longings that you and I seek in worth and meaning and significance and importance in life, are not in opposition. But the tension point that Walter was trying to make this morning is that there are a lot of temporary fixes out there. And if I, as a Christian, have a passion that I'm pursuing an agenda that I think will give me meaning and purpose apart from God's agenda, I'll be just like the unbeliever that goes from temporary fix to temporary fix to some aha, and then from the aha to the next temporary fix. And so, this issue of identity, I believe, is, is, is huge in what God wants us to understand. It's, uh, uh, it's really the question I have to ask. What, what's really Lord of my life? What is that something that I say to myself, if only I had this, or if only the da 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 I would have my security and my worth and my value. What is that if only apart from Jesus Christ? And if I've got something there, it will end up being, I believe, the Lord of my life. Because what drives me becomes my Lord. If, if I think that something is power then power will control me, and what controls me becomes the Lord of my life. It's how I make my decisions and so forth. If my reputation or the acceptance from peers 
is what drives me and is Lord of my life. What people think of me, it will control me. That's why I think Jesus, remember Jesus uh, was talking to some people who were following. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Uh, and so I've, I've got to ask myself hard questions. And, and I can't think of anything more devastating than living my life for myself. And you can't either if you see the end of it. And what God is shouting at us that there's nothing more spectacular than living for what he wants us to live for, pursuing Jesus Christ. So let's look at this identity. This issue of identity is tied back in to the gospel. This issue has to do with who I really am once I've embraced the gospel. And I'm going to go back, and I want to look at some hard verses that you're hopefully all familiar with. But Martin Luther said one time, preach the gospel to yourself daily. And, and it is so easy for us to lose our sense of awe and our sense of wonder with Jesus. We're pulled in so many different directions. We got so much pressure coming at us. We're just, just life is just zinging every which way. And if I ever lose my sense of awe of the beloved Savior, I will move him into a category of a functional Savior. He forgives my sins and he gets me to heaven. And he becomes a concept or a doctrine. And yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus rose again from the dead. And, and <laughs> I live with my cup half full. You know, when I talk about identity, let me give you two examples. I heard a couple of, I heard an illustration one. Actually, I uh, heard an illustration, but one. Tom Landry one time, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, was speaking and he was being introduced, and it was kind of a Christian gathering and so forth. <clears throat> and he was making the statement, uh, or he was being introduced, and he says, Yes, uh, Coach Landry, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Super Bowl championships, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, coach Landry, and yes, he's a Christian. And Coach Landry uh, got up, and he said, I'd just like to correct one thing. He said, I'd like uh, to say I'm a Christian who is a football coach. He understood his identity. Uh, good friend of many of you, I'm sure, and uh, especially of Gene and myself, Howard Hendricks, who wrote the foreword of uh, uh, the book Radical Trust, and one of the last gracious things that he did, uh, died, what, about a week ago, or having the funeral uh, Friday, uh, Saturday. <clears throat> and... Uh, I heard him give an illustration one time, which illustrates this point. He said he was on a flight, and the flight was going through uh, really some tough weather. And the storm was just knocking it every which way. And there was a stewardess that was very poised, and she was just helping people and being very gracious with people and being very kind uh, with the people. And finally, the plane leveled out. And, and so forth, and Hendricks is watching her and saying, and just thinking, golly, boys. And so uh, he just complimented her and, he, and said, uh, uh, I just would really like to uh, thank you for, boy, the way you handled the situation. It's very, very impressive. And he said, uh, would you mind giving me the name of your supervisor? And uh, she said, well, why, why would you want the name of my supervisor? He said, I'd just like to write uh, your supervisor and tell your supervisor how fortunate they are to have you as a stewardess and part of uh, the team of Delta Airlines. And she said, sir, I don't fly for Delta. I fly for Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's identity. Do... As you and I go through the hustle and bustle and the pressures and the so forth of everyday life, do, uh, is that our identity? 
uh, yeah, I'm in the real estate business, but my identity, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm in the such and such business, that's, that's kind of what I do, but who I am, what gives me purpose. Because you see, a long time ago, instead of asking God to bless my agenda, I brought God my heart and said, Father, here's my heart. Would you lay your agenda over my heart to be the man that you want me to be? So as we go back to this, the thing that is spectacular is the cross. So I want to go back to the gospel, and I'm going to go through scriptures, and we'll put them up there, and uh, just let the Spirit of God take the Word of God and just speak whatever you'd have it speak into your life at this. And I'll make a few comments as, uh, you know, as we go along from there. I'm going to discuss three things. I'm going to discuss me. I'm going to discuss Jesus. And I'm going to discuss God the Father. And I'm going to show you how these three fit together to make who you and I really are when we walk out of those doors tonight. Okay, let's look at uh, the me part. Uh, these are verses of Scripture of who I am. I've got three Scriptures. And I want you to remember who you were before Christ brought you into relationship with God the Father. There may be some of you that have not made that decision. And as you go through these scriptures, I hope they ignite your heart to in the simplicity of faith to simply say yes to Jesus before we leave here tonight. But all of us that have been walking for many, many years, let's go back and let's remember who we really were before God took the initiative. This verse, this is me, Ephesians 2, 1 and 3. This is a guy that's an unbeliever. He may be moral, he may go to church, he may be nice, or he may be evil, he may be Hitler, he may be Stalin, he may be all over the place, but from God's point of view, outside of Jesus Christ, this is who you and I were. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now, Paul wrote this. Paul was highly moral. Paul was emphatic about the Torah, the Old Testament scripture. Paul tithed. Paul believed in God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But as he looked at himself in relationship to a holy and a righteous God, he is included in this. The next one, 1 Corinthians 6. This is me. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, or idolaters, or adulterers, or male prostitutes, or homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to that. What these fantastic words. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. You know... There's not a sin listed there that I have not either committed or secretly imagined committing. That was me. 
my participation, either mentally or in my heart, was just as real to those who did it actually. He tells us over in Romans once again, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, those are pretty strong words. You and I fall in the trap of comparing ourselves, you know, with one another. And we've got all levels, don't we? We've got uh, the worst of the worst. We've got the best of the best. We've got the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, we're all over the map. Some of you came out of pits. Some of you came out of very moral backgrounds and so forth. But uh, there's none of us that did righteous and did what God required us to do. So that's me. Never forget from whence you came. If you do, you'll negate the effectiveness of the cross. Here's the Apostle Paul at the end of his life. The reason he wrote so much on grace, he refers to himself as chief of sinners. Come on, Paul. I mean, you just said, you just, yeah, that, 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 that's good PR. That's, no. <laughs> The reason God used this man so much, he knew from whence he came. He knew his heart, even with all of the religious jargon that he had. He was dead and separated from God. Now, it's bad news. Now comes the good news. Jesus, listen to this. Brothers, this is Jesus didn't have to step into this mess. This is a messed up world because it's full of messed up people. And you and I were part of the messed up clan, but somewhere along the line, somebody came and they told us the redeeming message of the love of Christ, and it struck a chord in our heart, and we said yes, and we're here tonight because Jesus has taken up residence within us. But do not forget what Jesus stepped into when we were basically in rebellion. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, all this stuff, and you took the initiative to step into the garbage heap, with your son, your perfect son. He comes along and he tells us what Jesus did. In 2 Corinthians 5, he said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Something took place at the cross which I don't think any of us this side of heaven can really comprehend. It's part of that Ephesians 3, the love of Christ, which is incomprehensible. Uh, scripture tells us that we need to know the love of Christ, which is unknowable. And yet, something took place at the cross because of God's grace and God's great love for each one of us. And a payment was made. Everything that's listed in the me category of my life, which I either actively participated in or secretly imagined or privately lusted for, all of that was taken off of me and it was put in Jesus. Somebody described it one time as 
There's a person who is dying of cancer, and they got all these cancer cells in them. And if I go in to the doctor and I say, doctor, I want you to take all of the cancer cells out of Butch. Uh, and I want you to make a transfusion, and I want you to take the cancer cells that are in Butch that has sentenced him to death, and I want you to take all of that, and I want you to put them in my body. Well, a couple of things would have to take place. Number one, I would have to love him an awful lot. And what I would be doing, I would be taking his disease that is in his body, and I would be putting it in my body. And what would happen is he would live, and I would die in his place. And at the cross, that transfusion took place to the point that when the person says yes to Jesus Christ, that means every sin that you have committed, that you are committing, and that you will commit in the future, all of that was bound up and placed upon Jesus Christ. And Jesus said at the cross, it is finished. And the word simply means paid in full. Jesus is hanging there with an agony that is incomprehensible for me. Make it personal, guys. God loves the world, but everything about the Scripture and everything about the cross is me. It had to do with me. And this is why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. This is why we need to meditate on adoption, propitiation, redemption, justification. What do those words mean? Don't ever let them be taken for granted. Let them be fresh daily. And then you'll move from loving Jesus for what he did to passionately being in love with him, to follow him with whatever agenda he might have for you and however he wishes to leverage your life. Then he comes, one more, and he sums it up. Love this passage. Isaiah, surely... He took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. We considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for Mazel's transgressions. He was crushed for John's iniquity. The punishment that brought peace to Mazel was upon him, and by his wounds, John Max Mazel is healed. It's personal. It's me. If nobody else was on planet Earth, this is the Jesus that came, paid the ransom, was on a rescue mission to take you and I out <laughs> of a sin-sick life. Now, here's me. Here's what Jesus did. Now, here's what God does in bringing the two together. But God, I love these passages. That but God, you know where this is? This but God is right after this first one in which he says, Ephesians 2, you were dead in trespasses and sin. You're basically doing what you want to do, walking around, giving the Holy giving the Father the finger, doing whatever you want to, don't mess with me, such and such. But God, me, God took the initiative because of his great love for us. This God who is rich in mercy and made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up, high ground men, with Christ, seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You know what? You know what we got through the day? Grace. You know, we're having so much fun? Grace. You know why you've been blessed in your business? Grace. You know why you have the family that you have? Grace. And you'll never understand grace if you live with a framework God owes me. God doesn't owe you and I our next breath. I come on a daily basis and everything in my life is based upon His grace. Scripture says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though it's something you attained yourself? Did you just knock it out of the ballpark? Well, where'd you get the brains to figure it out? What do you have that you did not receive? It's grace. My next breath is grace. My children is grace. And even the trials and the testing and the heartache that comes, he's taking me through it because of grace. He's got something magnificent and spectacular that he wishes to accomplish. Because of his great love, because of his rich mercy, it was by grace that you have been saved. You know, this issue of mercy, uh, I had an interesting illustration. Uh, uh, Bruce Whitehead is a friend of uh, Butch and I, and uh, he's on our board. And we were going, I went to Oklahoma State University, and we were going up and watching a football game. And uh, I'd been up there in a number of years. Anyway, Bruce was driving, and I was sitting in the passenger seat, and we were going 85 in a 55-mile-hour zone. <laughs> and boom, 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 light comes up. And I said, uh, oh boy. And Bruce pulls over and the policeman comes and he says, you kind of in a hurry. And, you know, Bruce was very gracious. He said, yeah, you know, no doubt about it. I was, you know, I'm speeding. He said, could I have your license, please? And I said, yes. And so he, I gave him the license. And he started to walk away and I said, I said, sir, could I ask you a question? And he said, well, certainly. I said, uh, do you know the definition of mercy? And he said, no, I don't think I do. <laughs> and I said, well, the Bible says that mercy is that you don't give people what they deserve. He said, hmm, very interesting. And he started to turn and walk away. And I said, sir, could I ask you one more question? Well, could I say one more thing? He said, well, certainly. I says, the Bible says that if you want mercy, you got to give mercy. <laughs> and so he said, that's interesting. Went back, came back about 10 minutes later, and he said, gentlemen, if this ever gets back to my colleagues, I'll look you up. <laughs> but this is mercy. And he gave us a warning. He didn't give us a ticket. And what God is saying here, God, God does not give us what we deserve. I mean, it's, it's just everything we operate on, well, they deserve that, or, or they deserve the, the issue of grace, as we all understand, is God giving us that which we do not deserve. And mercy and grace combine for God-type love. And this sums up God's perspective when he said, just at the right time when Christ was still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, this is what happens when those two come together 
and I respond. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Okay, I've seen where I'm coming from. I've seen what Christ's great love has done. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. This is how we become sons. Sons of the living God. It is by grace you've been saved, Maisel. And it's through childlike trust. And you know, don't get cocky, Maisel, for this isn't of you. This is really a gift from me. It's not by should be works so that no one can boast. You know, we have a hard time. Uh, okay, yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to come to know God in a personal way. Now, what do I have to do? Because that's the way everything else in life is performance-based acceptance. I get accepted if I perform correctly, so God is a holy and a righteous God. What have I got? I've got to make sure that I perform, and if I perform, I might get accepted. God says, oh, it's not my son and the cross and what you bring to the table. That would negate, that's blaspheming my son. It is everything that needed to be done for you and I to be reconciled back to a holy and a righteous God was done in Jesus Christ. And he says, if you understand the conviction of your sin from which you come, and you understand my great love for you and why my son paid the debt that you have so that I might be just in forgiving you and offering you my love, I want to offer you a free gift. Penalties paid. But a gift, a gift has to be received. And God wants to make it very, very clear. It is a gift of God, not of works. I would say in the average, well, let me just say it this way. In good churches, and I've asked this before, in good churches, good Bible-believing churches, good denominational churches. I've said, how many of you believe that you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ based upon what you do for God? Good churches, maybe, maybe just a pittance of hands would go up. Okay? How many of you believe that you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and come to know God in a personal way based upon what you believe about Jesus and what you do. Whole lot of hands go up. I would say in the past 18 to 24 months, most of the people that I have seen come to know Jesus Christ in a personal way have been people that have been actively involved in good churches. I recall a conversation with a Robin from Goldman Sachs. You know, Goldman Sachs, you know, they're not interested. Those are high-flying guys, you know, they're in the financial world and such and such, and Robin was going through a crisis, and we sat down, long story to the point, in a church, in a good church. I said, Robin, let me clarify the gospel. And kind of went through the gospel and hit on these issues of gift, and, but as many as receive, and you've got to receive the gift and so forth. And explained how he did that and so forth. And I said, okay, what do you think? You know what his response was? Guy had been in a church most of his life going to a good church, he looked up to me and he said, I've been waiting all my life for somebody to tell me how to make that decision. I personally feel like the churches are filled with good people that think it's Jesus plus something. And the Father says, it can never be anything plus my son. And once he does this, God brings about the summary. I want you to think of this, and then I want to show you identity. And then I want to shut up. 
the unfathomable riches of Christ. Now, guys, personalize this. This is you and Jesus and the Father. And this is the value. And you know why Jesus didn't come down from the cross when they said, ah, come on, show us a trick. If you're really the Messiah, come on down. You know the reason he didn't come down for the cross? If he had come down, we wouldn't be here. I can't come down. I'm your only hope. And so, the love of Christ, someone he loved, this is God, perfectly. He gave up so he could love me, <laughs> perfectly. God not only gave up his love, but he also cursed Jesus. Someone that he loved through all eternity. The point in time. I'm on the cross. He's on the cross for you. Jesus got it all that you and I deserve. Point in time, the Father stopped loving Jesus, withheld all of his grace from Jesus, turned his back on Jesus. The only reason he did it is because he loved you. He loved you. Put your name in there. It's personal. It's radical. It's intoxicating. It's the driving passion that we're to live by if Jesus has taken up residence in your life. So here's the identity in John 14. On that day, you will realize that I'm in my Father, and you're in me, and that I'm in you. Let's do it like this. This is what happened when you and I say yes to Jesus. Okay, he starts off. On that day, you will realize that I'm in the Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. Okay, here's me. Would you and I say yes to Jesus Christ? This Jesus we've been talking about, he comes, and he takes up residence in you. King of the universe is in your skin. And not only does he take up residence in me, he says, and you, John, will be in me. And not only that, John, I'm in you and you're in me, and I am in the Father. That's who we are, guys. And as a result of that, quickly, full righteous sons. You're all sons of God. Son of God. Identity. I was talking to somebody that I didn't want to talk to not long ago. It, she, she was a uh, she was gay, and she was uh, a butch. Not this butch. I need to correct that. And uh, I didn't want to talk to her. She sat next to me on a plane, and uh, I was busy, and I didn't want a dialogue, and we got a dialogue going, and long story to the point, I, she was coming out of rehab, and uh, I said, well, in rehab, don't they have higher powers? And she said, 
I said, well, who's your higher power? And she said, well, I, you know, I, I guess God or something. I said, well, were you religious when you were growing up? She said, well, I went to church, but never did much to me. And I said, you know, I said, religion never did much to me either. I kind of went to church and had the concepts. And, but, and then I just said something. I was, I was just going to say it. And then I was going back to my work. And I said, but Jesus Christ changed my life and made me a son of God. She said, what do you mean by that? And so, long story to the point, without going into too much detail, she came to Christ. Now, it was the fact that of just... I'm never going to see her again. Don't want to talk to her. Jesus Christ changed my life, and I became a son of God. Oh, we went through the gospel, clarified the gospel. God had been working in her life through an employer that was sharing with her. Here I was, the elder son, 100% elder son of the prodigal. Boy, did God work me over. Here I am, we land, get to the airport. Uh, she gets off. Before I do, I've got to get my stuff. Here I am. I walk out of the airplane, and she's standing there, and she puts her luggage down. She comes running over, puts her arms around me. She said, oh, John, thank you. Thank you, John. Uh, simple statement of identity. Even when it wasn't done <laughs> with the best of heart, how God used it. Then he says in this next verse, in Galatians, listen to this, guys. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we, listen to this, listen to this. This is, this is God saying, full rights as sons. Everything that is true of Jesus is true of you and I as sons of the living. Full rights. Because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into your heart. And the spirit who calls Abba Father. So you are no longer slaves to myself, to my ego, to my culture, to what my peers thinks. You don't have to be a slave. Because you're a son, and since a son, God has made you an heir. Romans 5, if we were God's enemies when we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, <clears throat> how much more being reconciled should we be saved by his life? So this is post. This is Jesus in us now. And what he's saying, he's saying, John, I gave you my best shot when you were my enemy. I gave you my best shot at the cross. And he says, now that you are a son, can't you trust me to use you and to fulfill my agenda in and through you by means of my son's presence within you? How much more? I gave you my best at the cross. Now that you're my son, how much more? All I want is your heart. I just want your heart. But all, oh, if you could only see, if you give me your heart and let me lay my agenda over it, what I intend to do. Then he comes and he emphasizes this again. Listen, this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, guys. I, I, I didn't spare. I didn't spare my best. My best said, hey, I'm all in on this. I didn't spare my son. Everything you deserve, I put on him. I sent him to hell. 
where you were supposed to go because he stood in the gap. I didn't spare the best that I had, but I gave him up. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things now that we have full rights of sons? Are you telling me I get up on Monday morning, ho-hum, Jesus died for me? Oh, ho-hum, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I know you died and rose again and, and, and bless my day and, and don't let me embarrass you and such and such. How should he not graciously give us all things? Now, let me briefly say what, how you and I shall then live. It's by faith, guys. It, 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 it takes childlike faith to be captured by Christ. We sit in here with Jesus in our skin. It takes courageous faith to begin to go public with Jesus in my identity. And that's the call. God has you guys and all of us in different places. And you're there with purpose and intent. But your call and your distinctive is the Son of God. Jesus in my skin. Jesus living through me. Jesus getting more and more control over me on a daily basis. And the more I understand his love, and the more I understand shall he not graciously give me all things, the more he becomes the chief treasure in my life, and the more he becomes the chief treasure, everything else wanes in meaning. Compared to you well, please, Lord Jesus. But it is by faith. And when we live by faith, our circumstances work out differently. Now, everybody here is in a different set of circumstances. There are guys here in this room that in our cultural terminology we like to say is not knocking the ball out of the ballpark. And you're doing it with a radical dependence upon Jesus Christ. And you're standing up and you're saying, thank you, Father. You understand. There are other guys in here that are passionate about your following of Jesus. And your circumstances are full of pain and sorrow and trouble. You can never look at your circumstance and conclude if you're walking with a way that honors and pleases God. Because God is in the midst of knocking it out of the ballpark, and God is in the midst of the difficulty and pain and sorrow for his ultimate purpose for your life. And that is a faith perspective. How many guys do you know that said, well, I begin to take risk by faith, and God didn't come through? And because God didn't come through, I ain't going out there anymore. God didn't come through in their perspective because God didn't work it out the way they thought it would be worked out. If I do my part, then God, you got to bring it to the table. And this, God owes us nothing. He's given us everything in Christ. And so you see this, and you've got to learn, we ha- no matter what circumstances God puts us in, I need to think of as many reasons to praise and worship God when he gives me something as praise and worship something when he takes things away from me. That's the heart that's in love with Jesus. Because the, the heart that's in love with Jesus just simply wants his circumstances to demonstrate Jesus. That's what Paul says in, in prison in Philippians 1. He said, my greatest expectation." And my great hope is that in nothing I will be put to shame, but that in everything with great courage, Christ will be seen in and through me, whether I live or whether I die. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, he's saying, doesn't make any difference what my circumstances are, whether it's life or death. It's the issue. It's Christ being demonstrated. Am I living as the full rights of sons? 
trusting him with my circumstances for him to be glorified. And that's the agenda. God's agenda is God. And to pursue God's agenda, I pursue God's glory no matter what my circumstances. And when I do that, I find everything that I ultimately long for. And so in this passage, he says, as he goes through these heroes of the faith, and as Walter looked at uh, Moses this morning, listen to some of these. These are people that were courageous people, people just like you and I. They knocked it out of the ballpark. Who? By faith, they conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, they escaped the edge of the sore, they were mighty in battle, they defeated foreign armies, resurrected of the... Who, boy, we trusted God. We moved out as sons of the living God. Christ demonstrated it, and God got the glory. Right, you bet. But the passage doesn't stop there. The passage goes on and it says, <laughs> but others... Well, what others? Others who live by faith. Others who knew that they had the full rights of sons of God. Others that had been captured by the love of Christ. Others that were, it's okay, Father. It's your agenda, whether I live or whether I die. But others experienced mocking, scourging, chains, imprisoned. They were stoned. Sawed in two, they were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, ghostian, destitute, afflicted, such and such, such and wandering in the desert, living in hosts. Who? People with full rights as sons, honoring God. Wow. That's the church. The hope of the world is the church. There's nothing like the church. Ordinary Guys like us that don't have it all together. But we're chasing after Jesus. And whether I succeed or whether I fail, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, whether I have fame or whether I have an, 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 fame or anonymity, whether I have sickness or health, it's okay, Father. Whatever's necessary to bring glory to you, through the indwelling presence of your son. You know, men, there's not a guy in this room that doesn't want to live like that. Well, let me just close with this. I've gone too long. There may be somebody here that as we went through these, you say, yeah, I don't, I don't know that Jesus. You don't want to go off this mountain without knowing this Jesus. And I'm going to lead in a prayer. And if for some reason you don't think that you know that you know that you've trusted the Jesus that we've talked about here, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer and invite Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior and personal Lord. Jesus plus nothing. And those of you that knew, do know the Jesus we talked about, would you just whisper to him, whatever, Lord. Whatever for your glory. That's the only thing that'll make you different men from leaving this mountain. It's whatever. You know that agenda? <laughs> I'm not bringing my agenda. I'm bringing you my heart. And I'm saying whatever you lay it on my heart for your honor and your glory. Let's pray. If there may be someone, why don't you just <coughs> pray these words? This is between you and the Lord.
And you might just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you died for me and my sin and rose again from the dead. As simply as I know how, I want you to know I trust you alone for the forgiveness of my sin. And I asked you to be my Savior. Come into my life and change me. And begin to make me the man you want me to be. And those of you that know that you know that you've walked with the true lover of your soul, why don't you just whisper to him, it's okay, Father, whatever brings you glory. Father, open our eyes to see the spectacularness of the love of Christ. Give us an understanding of the incomprehensibleness of your grace and your mercy and your love for each of us. We bless you and we pray in the King's name. Amen. Thank you, John. What a, yes.